Do you trust what you know? Wait a minute. Do you trust what you don't know? Maybe that's a better question. Price Pritchett is an author I really like. And in his book, You Squared, he says, you know more than you know you know. <laughs> Which makes me giggle. It's funny. You know more than you know you know. And see, I guess if you're looking for a guarantee in life, or if you're looking for a sure thing, okay, I understand that. That's natural, but it's not realistic. What I suggest is that you accept this for certain, and you say you're guaranteed this. What I'm about to tell you, these two words, this is etched in stone. This is real, quantifiable, a sure thing, and absolutely for certain. You know. You know. And trust in that. Trust in your gut feeling. Trust that you've got the right stuff. You're in the right place at the right time and you have the right stuff. How do I know? You're here. And this is the perfect place to be. This is the only place you can be to start towards anything you want. In fact, this place right here, right now, where you are with what you've got, trusting yourself and knowing what you know you don't know is truly what you do know you can do anything. You can accomplish anything that you want to. You may not want to accomplish everything. I hope not. I hope you've refined and defined for yourself what it is you want to accomplish. Ogmandino said there are certain books that he considered to be hand of God books. In other words, books that were written by authors who God was speaking through their pen that just knew, probably prior to writing, couldn't have told you what they knew, but what they didn't know they knew changed lives. So get in touch with your inner knowing. May I suggest starting by keeping a journal every day? Just give it a month. Check back with me in 30 days after you've given yourself those 30 days to just unload your subconscious mind onto paper and see what you know. Tap into the universal mind. See, this is, it's waiting right there for you. All you have to do is tune in and you can write your way to understanding. I'm Chris Story, and you're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or you take them with gratitude. G.K. Chesterton. Can you save your way to wealth? Can you save your way to a fortune? I'm going to talk about that. Plus, I'm reading a book called Business Brilliant. And I want to share a brief chapter out of Business Brilliant. I think, I think you're going to enjoy this. It's, it's an expose on people that are getting rich by telling you to do something they themselves do not do and did not get rich by doing. I think it's worth hearing what Lewis Schiff has to say about the likes of Susie Orman and others, and not in a disparaging way, but in an eye-opening, transparent way. Plus, I want to share something with you. I'm going to categorize this as the dumbest thing 
The dumbest thing, and I have all the respect, and with all due respect for Robert Kiyosaki, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm Chris Story, and this is your Millionaire Minute. Is the American dream alive? No. Wait, hold on now. Eh, don't shoot the messenger. There is no American dream, or at least not an American dream. That's a myth. There's your American dream. And yes, you better believe it is alive and well. Even if you haven't achieved it yet, even if you don't know what your American dream is right now. See, your American dream is tailor-made just for you. Perhaps you want to become a millionaire or you want to live comfortably in peace and quiet. You want to write a novel or your American dream might be to serve others every single day. Wake up the American dream that's within you, where you are with what you've got. Your American dream is rooted in the freedom to pursue a dream. From the Backyard Millionaire, I'm Chris Story. Breaking news from the Backyard Millionaire News Desk. Mortgage refinance demand has jumped 18% as interest rates drop. This is according to CNBC. Mortgage refinance demands have jumped 18% in the last two weeks. That's a big, big number for a short period of time. And what it can mean for you is if you're in the process of making a purchase, for example, or even one of those in that category that's refinancing, you might expect to begin to see a slowdown in the process. We've been enjoying, and this is nationwide, we've been enjoying an expedited pathway to closure in that there aren't so many refis plugging up the system. Well, it looks like we're taking a bit of a turn back towards refi central. And I can only assume that a goodly amount of those people are maybe taking out some equity. We'll talk about that on another, another broadcast. Question, can you save your way to wealth? I have two answers, a short answer and a long answer for that. I'll start with the short answer. Can you save your way to wealth? No. That's it. Done. End of, end of speech. Check, please. That's it. No, you cannot save your way to wealth. Okay, let me, ask, let me answer the long answer. Can you save your way to wealth? Yes. <laughs> Moron. Well, you cannot save your way to wealth and that's emphatically true, but you can invest your way to wealth. But in order to invest your way to wealth, you have to be able to save. And so, in other words, if you want to buy zero down, there are ways to get into an investment property with nothing out of your pocket. I still, however, want you to have the ability and the habit of saving because a rainy day account can make all the difference in the world. A rainy day savings account that can account for an unforeseen vacancy, an unforeseen challenge or, or an issue with the property. Maybe there's a, I always like to use the hot water heater. Hot water heater goes out. You want to be able to have five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred bucks on hand to deal with it. Or let's say there's some wind damage and yeah, you're going to have your insurance kick in. However, you need to pay that deductible. So the ability to, and the habit to save, the habit to pay yourself first, the principles contained within the great little book, The Richest Man in Babylon, being able to save and put your money to work for you and have it invested, both invested in a real property that's earning and churning cash flow, 
back to you, but also the ability to set aside and have a small nest egg early on. So I'm hopeful we can get you into a property with as little of your own money out of pocket as possible, if that's your game. If you're divesting, say, for example, from a, a other type of account, maybe you're liquidating some funds, mutual funds, bonds, stocks, things of that nature. Okay, fine. Let's move as much of your money and put it to work for you as possible. I still want, if you're able, to spread that over a number of properties and maybe leverage and mortgage them. However, if you want to get into a rental property, your first and third or fourth or fifth investment with as little money out of your own pocket as possible, that's what I want for you. But I also want you to have a savings and a cushion. So that habit, that practice of, of setting aside a certain percentage of your income every single month and put it into an account. I was just giving some advice to a young man the other day who earns a lot of money all at once. He's, he works seasonally, does very, very well. And we were talking and I said, do you have your tax money set aside? Do you have monies set aside for paying Uncle Sam? And he said, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he proceeded to tell me what he had in his savings account, which is great. It's wonderful. And I said, but is that inclusive of what you owe the government? Yeah. And I said, okay, well then that's not your savings account. You need to have two accounts, one for Uncle Sam and then one for your savings. And so you can see them clearly differently. And I'd go a step further if you're investing in real estate and say, how about you have a properties account, start a properties company for yourself, even if you don't have a property. Right now, in many states, business licenses are actually uh, at no charge. Maybe you could get a business license right now, start a company, start an account for your properties, and just start putting money into it. It's not yours anymore. It belongs to the properties. It belongs to your future fortune. It belongs to the rainy day when something, heaven forbid, something happens. And it does. The other piece of this is, can you save your way to wealth, is no... However, you also need to be able to play the credit game. You need to have the habit of, and the practice of savings and play the credit game so that when you do step up to bat with a mortgage, you've got credit to work with. Now, they can real creative mortgage brokers who you surround yourself with can come up with alternative sources and evidences of credit, some rents paid, utility bills. It's just not the way you want to play the game if you can help it. So you want to get with somebody that really knows what they're doing, help you establish credit, have, get an established savings plan and pattern, and then invest your way to wealth. Which, coming up, we're going to talk about Susie Orman and her advice through the eyes of Lewis Schiff, author of Briz Business Brilliant. I keep wanting to say Business Brilliant. Business Brilliant. That and more when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. to the Backyard Millionaire. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. David Webb. He's the engineer and producer of this program. This is the show about how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Coming up in just a little bit, I'm going to talk about Susie Orman and uh, Lewis Schiff says she does not practice what she preaches. We'll talk about that. But, but first, I want to share something that I think is some of the dumbest advice I've ever heard from Robert Kiyosaki, and I love Robert Kiyosaki, I really do. But this is some of the dumbest advice I've heard from him since he was pitching cryptocurrency um, not that long ago. He said, and I quote, don't buy anything for 18 months. Yeah, don't buy anything 
for 18 months. Now, this is no reflection on the book, The Backyard Millionaire. Excuse me, that's my book. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's a little shameless plug. Oh, did he really confuse it? I don't think so. Um, but no reflection on that book. I love the Rich Dad book series. Some of them in particular, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Retire Young, Retire Rich, uh, Real Estate Riches by Dolph DeRoos, all written underneath the umbrella of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So really good ideas and good information disseminated through that whole series of books. And then Robert, well, this advice, I believe, when he says don't buy anything for 18 months, he's trying to say, look, gauge the market. Gauge, you know, you got to gauge the market. It's like when you're going to jump behind somebody on a swing set. You know, you got to wait. It's going to swing back. You don't want to get hit. So wait, now go. And I understand what he's saying. You do not want to be in severe competition for a property, pay, end up paying way more than, say, the rents or cash flow analysis would have dictated. You never want to do that. 18 months ago, 18 months from now, that's never a good idea. So I, I would remind you if, you, if you heard Robert say that, I would say, hold on. Let's remember, let's everybody calm down a second. Deals are not found. They're not laying on the side of the street like extra coinage. Deals are made. And in order to make a deal, you have to be looking. And if you just stop looking because you heard some advice that said, don't do anything for the next eight, don't buy anything for 18 months, then you're going to, if you go hibernate, let's say, for 18 months as he prescribes, you might miss two really, or even one really good deal. So keep looking. Uh, I love what Zig Ziglar said. He, he said one time, if you, if you wait at home for all the lights to turn green, you'll never leave your house. So will all of the signs and all of the trends and all of the market analysis ever just say, go, this is your time? Mm, not really. By the time you hear him giving the advice about when to start, it might be too late. Or how many deals have you passed by? So I'm not suggesting he doesn't know what he's talking about relative to timing the market. And it is something we should be looking at and forecasting. What I am saying is, if you simply listen to that advice about not buying anything and you stop looking, you're going to miss deals that can be made right there in your own backyard. Now, here's some advice from Robert that I do love. So I started with just a little $18,000 unit. I broke up my credit card. I paid the $2,000 down payment with my credit card, so it was 100% finance. Now, most experts will say you, that's stupid. You don't do that. But I... But if you know what you're doing, you can do it. A number of years ago, I bought a $7 million uh, commercial building. I paid for it with zero down. And every month, after everything is paid for, it puts about $30,000 a month income in my pocket or $360,000 a year for no money down. So that is the price of having a good education or a bad education. A good education is knowing the good debt versus bad debt and how debtors can win if you know what you're doing. As Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. <laughs> so... Uh, I found this article earlier today. And I want to share it with you in just a little bit. It's about how to create hobbies in your life, or at least I would say take advantage of hobbies in your life and things that can increase your health and just make you feel good. And it reminds me, it's from a company called Everyday Health. And it reminds me of something that I talked about 
to other groups when I've gone in um, on different, different occasions to speak to groups about whole life living, that a good life, the quality of life, the thing that we would call or that you might look at and go, now that's living the good life or life is good. Usually the people that we admire the most or the times in our life that we felt most satisfied, I would put forth, and most content, happy, is when we are a well-rounded individual and we've got hobbies and we've got different things, extracurricular activities in our life that we are working through and practicing and creating a practice in our life. I remember working, the, the limit, I, I started working early in life for my dad. My mom and dad had companies and I went to work for them early on. But when I, when I became an adult and got a job, I remember that it was the pottery for me. It's something I fell in love with at 15 years old. Had an incredible mentor in Jack Walsh, just an incredible pottery mentor. It fit me like a glove. I don't know why, but it just fit me like a glove. And in 34, 35 years later, I'm still making pottery. And to me, it's an escape, but it's also a mental escape. It's a place I get to go in my mind when I'm otherwise maybe you know, frustrated with the situation or a little, feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I, I've got this thing to look forward to. Anyway, so I'm going to share five healthy hobbies you can pick up in under a week, according to everydayhealth.com. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, will I buy So practice what, how did Susie Orman get a million dollars? And she's got more than one million dollars. How did she do that? Well, according to Lewis Schiff, she certainly didn't, certainly didn't do it by practicing what she preaches. I want to share just a little bit from his book, The Business Brilliant. Let me go to page, what is it, page 47. Here we go. Calls it the wonder, this chapter is entitled The Wonder Bread Way to Wealth. <laughs> uh, and we've, we've had Susie's books over the years in our house and, and um, Tiffany followed her for a while. And, and again, if you're trying to save money and you're trying to get a break a practice of overspending, living beyond your means, like Jim Rohn said, how do you go broke making 10,000 bucks a month? Spend 11. So we're people that need to chisel off some old habits, replace some bad habits with some really thoughtful and good habits. This kind of information that Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and these people um, disseminate is really wonderful. It's just not a way to wealth. It's not how they got wealthy. So he writes, does Lewis Schiff, he says, when Susie Orman recalls her life before she became the nation's top financial guru and media superstar, she talks about the she talks about money the way recovering addicts and reformed sinners testify to their struggles with temptation. In 1987, Orman was 35 years old and drowning in debt. She had all, she had her own small financial planning services in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she was leading what she admits was an over-leveraged lifestyle. Listen to some of this stuff. Now, this is going back to 1987. Put these dollars in perspective of 1987. Ready? Her house was mortgaged to the hilt, and she doesn't elaborate, so I don't know what that means. But let's just say San Francisco, even back then, she probably had a, a big old mortgage on a big old house. Her leased 
leased BMW cost her 600 bucks a month. That's in 1987 dollars. Her credit card debt topped 100,000. At one point, Orman confesses she dipped into her 401k retirement fund to buy a $7,500 Cartier watch. Since those days, Orman has made a fortune by scolding her millions of fans for indulging in far more modest excesses. Through nine best-selling books and repeated appearances on The Oprah Winfrey Show, Orman urges her followers to stop squandering dollars on frivolous luxuries and stock away money for investing uh, by investing in their retirement. Now, she writes in her book, Courage to be Rich, this came out in 2000, Courage to be Rich, provided, um, he says, five pages of suggestions on how to save your way to wealth. Do you really need to eat French baguettes, she writes. Do you really need to eat French baguettes? Why not Wonder Bread? Is designer underwear necessity or a luxury? Why not get rid of the fancy fragrant hand soap? <laughs> he goes on, and there's, quite, there's actually an entire chapter dedicated to it. And he even says later in the book, that, look, I'm not picking on her. But here she's talking about saving your way to wealth by buying cheap underwear by getting off-label hand soap that's not fragrant? What? I mean, Wonder Bread over a French baguette? And so again, if you come back to this concept, oh, by the way, how did, how did Susie Orman get out of debt? We heard, 100, what, 100,000 bucks in credit card, uh, frivolous things like a leased BMW to impress people, is no doubt what that was. Uh, $7,500 Cartier watch, again, designed to impress others. How did she get out of this and turn herself around? Did she do it by eating Wonder Bread? Did she do it by bringing bologna sandwiches to the office and Wonder Bread wrapper? Or did she make a fortune? Yeah, if you guessed, did she make a fortune? That's exactly what she did. She, and not to say that she didn't earn it. Absolutely, she earned and deserved her fortune. She, in one month, was able to help a very, very large corporation put together a retirement package for their employees. And for that single month's work, she received a contract of over $250,000. So she was able to right the ship by going to work and earning more. And that's Lewis Schiff's point, is that you get wealthy by earning more, not merely by living a picayune life and, and being as frugal as uh, you know reusing toothpicks, for example. Is that really gonna make you wealthy? Is it? Are you going to create wealth by undernourishing yourself with Wonder Bread instead of a delicious baked bread from a local bakery? No, of course not. We know that. As we talked about earlier in the broadcast, savings is important because you need to be able to save so you can have a cushion. You need to have a rainy day account. You want to start saving to have some down payment monies, etc. But saving your way to wealth is impossible. And people like Susie Orman, and this is, again, not picking on Susie Orman. It just was really struck me funny in this book, Business Brilliant, that Lewis Schiff is just, just taking her to task. And it's just such an eye-opening way to look at it. Like, wait a minute. Is that is that really the way to wealth? She even went on to say after the crash in 2008, the economy shifted. You know what happened? You know what happened to stocks? She went on to say, hmm, some of the previous advice maybe, maybe wasn't as strong as she thought. And now the end is near. And so I face 
the final curtain, my friend. All throughout the, my book, The Backyard Millionaire, you'll find references to doing it your way, to doing investment your way. There is no one way, just like the American dream. There is no one American dream. There is no one way to create wealth. There's your way that fits you. And maybe it isn't even wealth that you want, but you want financial security, or you want optimal health. We're going to be talking, by the way, about five healthy hobbies you can pick up in less than a week. The top one is something that I firmly believe in. I'll tell you about that in just a moment when we return to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Chris Story. This is the show that teaches you how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I was talking earlier about journaling, and I, I, I'll give you a secret of what I do. I, I get printed for myself. I take my logo and have it printed on the front of a journal, and this is about a 5 by 8 journal. And what I prefer, and this is just me, Journaling is very personal, like like so much of what we talk about here. It's got to fit you. But what fits me is blank pages, no lines. I love the blank page. My brother got me a journal, a Moleskine journal, a long time ago, like, I don't know, probably 18 years ago, something like that. And it had blank pages. And he thought I would use it for sketching pottery designs and artistic work. And in fact, all he did was write in it. And he goes, huh, it's not how I intended you to use that, but whatever, it's stuck. And that's all I've, I really prefer ever since, it's just blank pages. But my point is, I've customized this. This is my journal. It has my logo on it. And these are, this is how I want it to be. And they're inexpensive. You can have these things printed for uh, probably the same amount as you go to the store or actually less and just get one of those other kind of journals. It's spiral bound. The pages aren't perforated. It stays put. And I just love writing this. So that's my pro tip on journaling. I found this website. I've never been to her website before. She calls herself the real the real estate investor goddess, Monique Ham. And she's got a, a, quite a few blog posts. This one I found incredibly interesting. She says, real estate is a feel-good business. All right, real estate's a feel-good business. So I said, I'm going to give that a shot. Let me, let me find out why she thinks that. So here's what she wrote. She said, having a business that simply feels good is particularly important to seven-figure women, million-dollar women, backyard millionaires, I would say. In a recent interview I did with Barbara Stanny, women and money expert, she said, this is coming from Barbara Stanny, says, once a woman has enough to, to put food on the table, roof over her head, and a Manny Petty, this is, I'm not saying this, Barbara Stanny is saying this, and a Manny Petty every once in a while, she's no longer motivated by money. What motivates her is to help others. It's a very different game. How can I help others and be richly rewarded? That's a cool quote. That's, that's from Barbara Stanny. Going back to what Monique wrote, she says, if you invest accordingly to the mission, if you invest according to the mission of the real estate investor goddess, you can help others and be richly rewarded. Here's how. Our mission, make a property and community better than we found it. Only engage in win-win transactions. Ensure that everyone touched by your deal is uplifted and benefits from their involvement. Isn't that so cool? That just fits the Backyard Millionaire philosophy so well. You can see why I've extended an invitation to Monique to be a guest on this show. I love that. 
She says, if you make a property or community better than you found it, you're benefiting the tenants and your neighbors. If you're engaging in win-win transactions, it, it benefits all involved. Sellers are happy and you're happy. And I would go further and say, so are your tenants. Because if you do a win-win, there's a really good chance you're going to take that mentality right into how you lease and how you deal with tenants. Everyone touched by our deal, she says, can be uplifted and benefited. Now, see, not everybody feels that way. I mean, I think we're in a safe space. You can admit that, right? There are some people that only want their side to win. In any transaction of life, they only want themselves. They only want their organization or their company or their side of the table to win. Well, and clearly Monique is suggesting that's just not for her. That's not for her goddesses that she's teaching how to become real estate investors. She said, everybody touched, uh, uh, here we go. Um, Your income property is like a ripple of prosperity that spreads throughout the community. In every transaction, the sellers, brokers, agents, property managers, other investors, and service providers, lenders, accountants, contractors, like, are enriched. And this is something we've talked about a lot here, is that there's about 26 or 27 different moving pieces and parts. And all along the way, this is why real estate is such an engine of the economy when it's selling and when it's moving. There are so many sub-genres of the industry that are benefited, and a rising tide truly does float all boats. She says, and personally, it feels good because when you're doing all of this together, all of this good, you're making more money passively, even while you sleep it on vacation, your properties are making you money. And she says, this gives you financial freedom and time and you'll feel great. Don't you feel good already? That's from Monique Ham. Yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. And what song feels better than this? Probably none. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song I just can't remember who to send it to I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire How to Create Wealth Where You Are with What You've Got. I want to talk about something that might surprise you. This is something that if you've been listening for a while, you probably never expected these words or this acronym to come out of my mouth. Are you ready for this? I want to talk to you about UBI. No, 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 no. Not universal basic income. No, I'm talking about your basic income. I was so self-congratulatory when I thought of this this morning. I was thinking about, I'd heard, uh, overheard a conversation. I really wasn't listening to the interview, but somebody had brought up within the interview UBI, which is universal basic income. And, you know, that's been floated around for a while. Some cities around the country are trying it. Um, 
and basically nobody will make too much, nobody will make too little, universal basic income. And I thought to myself, I just wrote down Y-O-U-B-I, U-B-I, your basic income truly can be found within the backyard millionaire formula. If you want universal basic income for the rest of your life and to be handed down into succeeding generations, into your posterity, if that's what you're looking for, prosperity for the posterity, own four homes, create passive income for yourself, that's your UBI, that's UBI, and somebody else all the while is paying it off. Doesn't that just feel good to even say? These four homes you're not even paying for. Somebody else is paying them. Somebody else is building your wealth for you. You're managing it. You're paying attention. But universal basic income for yourself is found right in your own backyard. Four homes. That's all you've got to own is four homes. It might take you four years. It might take you 10 years. I'm not putting a timetable on this for you. I'm simply just saying that this is possible for you. And this is what I would like for us collectively to be conversing about. This is what I would like to be put onto the stage. The, the debate stage is how can we grow from the bottom up? How can we grow from somebody who's renting and hopeful one day of owning to going through the mindset and doing the work that would allow you to see yourself as owning four homes? I was telling a guy the other day, we were talking about um, his properties, and I was just giving him a little bit of unsolicited advice. We were talking about some other business thing we're doing, and then I asked him a little bit about his property, he told me what he's doing, I gave him some advice, and we went on to talk about one of the greatest mistakes I ever made, one of the greatest investment missteps Tiffany and I ever made was selling a particular property. And I, uh, I've talked about many times openly because I feel that, you know, the truth lives in the sunlight and transparency is something we can all learn from. And every time I tell the story, I learn a little bit more about myself and I'm not ashamed of it. We sold a property because we couldn't see ourselves as owning two homes. We couldn't see ourselves as owning multiple properties. We wanted to, but there was some nervous tick. There was something restraining us and it wasn't until we'd sold the property that we recognized, duh, we already owned it. We owned them both at that time. But the future, the fear of what could happen clouded our, our vision. And in that moment, we became backyard millionaires. In that moment, we adopted full wholeheartedly the buy and hold strategy. And so we, we were just talking about that and this, these missed opportunities and, and how other people are paying this off for you. And, and so what I so admired about our conversation, and him in particular, he's a small business guy, and he's, he is building and establishing for himself four homes on a single property. We call that a detached fourplex, just for financing, you know, financing and mortgageable purposes. But imagine that you're doing that on just even one piece or it could be spread out over two, three, or four. So seeing yourself as being able to create this wealth, to be able to, to create these, these millions of dollars or this universal basic income for yourself and for your family, if you choose to leave it, if you choose to leave these properties that we're talking about amassing, if you wanna leave this in a trust for your family, for the benefit of your family, wonderful. What an incredible vision. What a larger vision for your future. That should just, be tingling you all over. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing your song. I'll try not to sing 
Have you seen what's going on with rents in Manhattan, New York City? Have you seen what's going on with the rents there? Incredible. The values of properties in Manhattan are high anyway, but the rents are just absolutely going through the roof, pun intended. They have hit, and this isn't just a high for the last you know, number of years, ever. They've hit an all-time high ever in January. The rents in New York City are what? I represent the rent is too damn high party. Well, there's only one thing you can do about that if you're an inhabitant of New York. And no, I do not mean fight for rent controls and more restrictions and regulations. I mean, invest yourself. That may not be the place you start. If you're listening to this, this podcast later on and you're in Manhattan, you're in New York City, and you're thinking, well, I can't. It's a $3 million apartment. No wonder the rent is 15, 20,000 bucks a month. I can't afford it. Find a place. And this is what I was talking about earlier. You've got to be looking. Remember, Dolph DeRoos' formula is 100, 10, 3, 1. Look at 100 properties, maybe closely analyze 10, take a really close look and maybe make three offers, and then end up with a deal. This is the only way to control rents is to own the property yourself. And then you can become the landlord. And if you want to be contributory to your community, you can keep the rents low. I have one property that we do everything we can to try to minimize expenses such that we can keep the rents as low as possible. That's not with every property, but there's this one particular property. We really want to keep the rents as low as possible. And I'm not suggesting that it's a charitable event. You know, I'm not looking for an award. Do you? one's coming is there one available because i take it i would take the award i'm not looking for it but i would take it but the point really is is that we're we're passionate about that we want to keep the rents low so we work really hard to shave costs and make decisions that are going to affect that end and yes it is a community benefit um but yet at the same time again this isn't a not-for-profit we do make money but we do try to keep it low. But this is the only way you can control that is if you're in the ownership seat. Hey, let's talk about healthy hobbies you can adopt in less than a week. And I want to welcome you inside my garage when we return here to the Backyard Millionaire. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire. I'm Chris Story along with Mr. David Webb. This is the show that teaches you how to create wealth where you are with what? Yeah, that's right. With what you've got right where you are. It's the only place you can get started. You can find me online at ilovehomeralaska.com. You can download podcasts of The Backyard Millionaire wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Android, all the apps are available, or you can just go right to our website, ilovehomeralaska.com. And I, I really do love Homer. I found this on Investopedia the other day, and I made a bookmark of it, and I shoved it into a notes page on my phone. And I was just scrolling through notes this morning. I found it. I was like, oh, that's right. Uh, let me share this with you. Ten Habits of Successful Real Estate Investors. My first thought was, well, I agree with these. Don't accept everything on its headline value. Don't just accept because it's on a website called Investopedia. We have to apply critical thinking to these things, such as with the Robert Kiyosaki quote about don't buy anything for 18 months. Now that might be 
sound advice if you were looking in Bel Air or there's something going on and you know that, hey, wait a minute, this is pretty shaky. But my point was don't stop looking, keep looking. So don't just take headlines, look into the headlines, see if they actually match your thoughts and your critical thinking. So here's 10 habits of successful real estate investors. And we'll just go through them one by one. Number one, make a plan. That's a habit that real estate investors, I agree with that. Absent the plan, if you don't have a destination, you could end up anywhere. What was Yogi Berra said? Uh, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up anywhere. You might end up there. I forget, but there was a great quote about that. Uh, so yeah, you got to have a plan. You got to know where you're going. You have to make an aim. You have to have a target. Uh, if you don't have a target, you'll, you'll miss it every time. So I agree with that. Making a plan uh, is important. Number two, know the market. I would replace the with your. I want you, yes, you need to know your market. The market matters, but what I really want you to understand is your market, the context within your area, your market, and you can dial that down to even just your neighborhood if you want. Now, that doesn't mean, again, you want to start macro and then fine-tune and get down to the micro of your market. So I agree with it, but I would tweak it. Know your market. Be honest. <laughs> this is funny. Of course. Uh, yes, that should be just everywhere. Every list should include that, I guess. 10 habits of successful real estate investors. Be honest. I love that. But you know, maybe maybe it's important to even think about that. Because of the the negativity, the connotations that people have of wealthy people and property owners in general. So maybe, maybe just as a reminder or just a, a tip to the tip of the hat to investors who actually are honest. Uh, develop a niche, 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 develop a niche. I love that. That is awesome because there are some things that just fit like a glove. Trying to shoehorn in some investment that doesn't fit you know, if, if it don't fit, you should quit. I definitely do not suggest that you push beyond what you, I'm not saying you stay in your comfort zone. I'm just saying after you've gotten a little bit of experience, having a niche, a niche in your own, your own particular style, that's what I'm thinking. That's like a voice, like finding your voice. Uh, authors are told to find their narrative voice. I think it's the same with investors to develop your own niche. Uh, number five, encourage referrals. Definitely, definitely. I mean, people that know you and will refer tenants to you, people that know you and will refer deals your way and go, oh, you know what? I know Chris and Tiffany, they're looking. They're always looking. I, in fact, I've got it out there with a number of people that I know, like, and trust in different markets, not too far from me because, see, that's my niche is close by proximity, but a little bit further away from my particular market. Hey, I am looking for multifamily, 16, 12, 16, 20, 30 unit buildings. This is what I'm looking for. And I'm hoping to get those referrals. I'm hoping that people will contact me and say, here, I've got, you've got something for you. So you want to have a connection. You want to have a tribe. Definitely encourage referrals. That's awesome. Uh, stay educated. Hello, of course. Uh, understand the risks. Yes, 100%. There are risks with investing in anything. Inclusive in that is real estate. You should understand it. And that's why working with a realtor and a mortgage broker that you know and have been referred to you and that you, you trust them, you'll understand those risks a lot better. Invest in an accountant? Yes, absolutely. Find I, We have the world's greatest accountant. And in fact, at one point a few years ago, she called me into her office. I dropped some paperwork off. She goes, can you come here a minute? Would you stop referring people to me? <laughs> I don't have any more room on my docket. I said, okay, done. Well, you're just so amazing. 
uh, find help, that's awesome because finding help in many ways, delegating out certain things, never take your eye completely off the ball, but do employ help, get help to do the things that you don't want to do where your time is not best spent. Highest rate of return on your time matters. And then build a network. And I would kind of put nine and 10 together, building a network, same thing as finding help. You need that tribe. We talk about in the millionaire maker, finding a tribe and assembling a tribe. And I give you all the members of the tribe that you'll need to have in pocket to include a realtor, accountant, handy people, appraiser, um, contractors, home inspectors, all that kind of stuff. So you need to have a tribe of people around you. That is for certain. All right, let's talk about living a whole life. Everyday Health reported that there are five healthy habits you can pick up in less than a week. I told you number one was going to be my jam, and it's called reading. Reading can calm your mind. That is so true. I love streaming audio, uh, audio of course, and video. Love having access to I've been on a big Charles Bronson kick lately. No idea why. Um, but yeah, that's all great, but it doesn't calm my mind. I'll tell you what does call my mind is my sacred hour of reading in the morning. Sometimes it, it bleeds into two hours, but I love reading. That definitely calms my mind. And I love that they refer to that on everyday health as a habit. That's cool because it really is. It's a cool habit to have. And you can get out of that habit. That's one thing I, I was talking to a guy earlier today and I was asking him if his staff has read this book or that book. And he's got a, he's got a large staff and he goes, you know, they're really readers. And I was like, uh. Oh. Okay, that's just a habit. Obviously, they can read, but it's a habit and a habit you can develop. Okay, number two, uh, the second habit or hobby you can pick up in less than a week is meditation. It can actually lower blood pressure and your stress levels. Meditation. Uh, outdoor activities can boost your feel-good chemicals released from your brain. According to Dr. Perkins, endorphins are released when you do outdoor activities. Yoga can promote relaxation in your entire body and increase your mental health. Quote, again, Dr. Perkins says, even small amounts will have a positive effect on your well-being by giving you something to look forward to and these chemicals, these endorphins. And then fifth would be art. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Any kind of art that really speaks to you, even if it's just sketching, I find just sketching or doodling releases something in the mind and lets you go somewhere with your thoughts and you don't even realize you're doing it. But art for me is pottery and writing and running has become sort of an art or maybe it's become an addiction. But um, definitely I agree for a whole life, healthy hobbies can, can make a huge difference. So find something, find something that you love to do. I wanna welcome you into my garage. You might be surprised when you enter my garage that my vehicle is not there. And if you know my wife, you understand why hers is, and that mine has no business being in a garage. I've never parked in a garage in my life, so I figured why start now. But one thing I'll tell you that you'll never find, and if you're like me, and you've ever watched a Ty Lopez video or any of these guys that are promoting uh, online sales and online businesses and so forth, they always want to tour you through the garage with their Lamborghinis, excuse me, Lambo, Oh, just getting out of my Lambo here at the sushi restaurant. He caught me on video. You want to live like a king on an island? I'll show you how in two days or less. Porsches, you know, the whole thing. is. Uh, I want to call it a biscotti. What's that one motorcycle? Um, what's the mo You know what I'm talking about. It's not a biscotti, but it's so out of touch I am. In my garage, if I were able to park in my garage, which I don't, you, you would find a pickup truck. 
not, and I will say not even an impressive pickup truck. Um, it's just practical. So, um, and I bought it used, got a, got a pretty good deal on it. And I try to give it the maintenance and everything that it needs because I want to run it into the ground like my last truck I had for 12 years. And I, I just love that concept of just having a vehicle as a workhorse. That's it. And it reminded me of what Will Rogers said. I was thinking about these guys with their, and gals, some with these really super impressive, maybe leased vehicles or owned, not sure. But all of the money that goes into these, these vehicles, Will Rogers' words were ringing through my mind. He said, too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't even like. And Will Rogers said that long before social media was even invented. Think about that. What a wise man. I encourage you to live like you're selling, even if you believe and buy into the backyard millionaire philosophy, which is rooted in the core tenet of buy and hold. Still live like you're selling, still own like you're selling, manage your properties like you're selling, because one day you will be. This is your asset. This is your apple to polish and put onto the shelf of life and have it earn money for you. Keep it in top condition. Do what you need to do to make your properties the best to win. And if you do decide to turn them into another property, reinvest through a 1031 exchange, you want to be able to get the highest value and the fastest possible uh, sale in any market anywhere. So how do you do it? You live, you own like you're selling. Thank you for being here. What a privilege and a pleasure. You can find Millionaire Minutes, these broadcasts, and more at my website, which is ilovehomeralaska.com or anywhere that you download podcasts. Just type in Backyard Millionaire and we will pop up there. And if you're looking for something to give away for a young person, I'm going to be doing some speaking here recently uh, in the not-too-distant future to young people about investing. And it just reminds me, if you've got somebody in your life you want to impress with an idea of what they can do, where they are with what they've got, and that wealth is within their reach, pick up a copy of my book, The Backyard Millionaire. You can find it on Amazon or ilovehomeralaska.com. For David Webb and myself, I'm Chris Story reminding you to look forward, to learn from your past, and never forget that the good life is right here waiting for you in your own backyard. 